when you can be in partnership with your body, you are able to experience your body as the most spiritual place on this planet, like a conduit mm. for, you know, God. And I don't mean yeah. like, you know, a white man sitting in clouds, but you become a conduit for God's love and prosperity. You actually understand yourself as a conductor for whatever it is you want to be a conductor of. And for me, that is such a beautiful way to experience yourself. And when you start to experience your relationship with yourself as working in partnership, you then create a template for working in partnership, period. Welcome to Wayward Bodies a show about our bodies and the messy places that they meet the world. I'm your host, Ellie Bauer-Johnston. Each episode, we'll be exploring embodiment, body liberation, creativity, healing, and how we can start to show up as our whole selves. Hello, 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 welcome. Welcome to Wayward Bodies. I am Ellie Vower Johnston. I am an embodiment guide, a breath worker and rest teacher and all-round body witch. And I am your host for this fine podcast. Today I am bringing you a conversation that I got to have with Tamu Thomas recently. It was such a treat to get to sit down and chat with her. Our conversation wandered through her own explorations of embodiment and her practice of nonlinear movement, the role of pleasure, sensuality, and joy in women's well-being, reclaiming power and sovereignty, and how we can channel our energy in a generative way, even as we live within oppressive systems. Let me tell you a little bit about Tamu. Um, Tamu Thomas is an emotional well-being coach a writer, workshop facilitator, podcaster, and non-linear movement practitioner who helps over-functioning, overworking, high-achieving women fall in love with themselves so that they can make powerful choices about how they live, love, and work. Tamu's work combines somatics, social work, and spirituality with science and soulful systems. She is person-centered, evidence-based, trauma-informed, human-paced, nurturing, intuitive, loving, and playful. Tamu's holistic approach to supporting bodies, minds, and experiences of her clients makes her work nurturing, deep, and unique, just like her. Her work is informed by her background of 16 years in social work, somatic coach training, her love of behavioral neuroscience and polyvagal theory, positive psychology, spirituality, and joy. Tamu combines these modalities to create a multifaceted body of work that helps her clients stop using anxiety as a productivity tool and stop normalizing burnout. Tamu's work helps her clients understand who they are so they may begin to tend to their needs, feel safe in their bodies, befriend themselves, and begin to enjoy who they are. Her mission is to help women enhance how they live, love, and work by recovering from their addiction to toxic productivity. As you might imagine, Tamu and I had a lot to talk about, and I'm really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you. Before we get into it, there are a few announcements. Uh, The first being that I'm doing a breathwork training at the moment, and soon enough, I will be offering trial breathwork practices for me to be able to practice teaching and also for you to be able to access the power and magic of breathwork at a discounted rate. Um, I'll be offering those out to folks on my mailing list. So if you're curious about breathwork and you'd like to come and play and see how it could unfold in your own life, then sign up to the mailing list. The link is down in the show notes, as always, or you can access it directly through Substack if you head to elliebowerjohnston.substack.com. Just pop your email in. You'll also receive the Radical Rest Studio, which is possibly my favorite free resource that I've ever created. It's 
a nation dashboard full of rest practices, ways that you can bring more rest into your life, uh, as well as a yoga nidra recording and a breathwork practice. So if you head over, sign up for the newsletter and you'll be the first to know when I start offering those trial breathwork practices, as well as being able to rest in the meantime. All right. That's everything announcements-wise. Let's get into this conversation with Tamu. Hi, Tamu. It's such a pleasure to have you here with me. I've been quietly stalking you on the internet for a while now, so I feel like I, I know you. I love open stalkers. I love open stalkers. <laughs> just like, I'm just going to check Tamu's Instagram, just see what she's up to, you know, get the newsletter, all of that stuff. Can I just say, before we go anywhere... When people tell me they get my newsletter, I really feel uh, joyful inside and I feel really honoured because your email, your inbox, it's like a, a sacred space. Like it's really personal. It's mm-hmm. not social media, even though we choose to follow people and consume their content. This just feels like a deeper level. And I say, you know, well, not I say, but your attention, your energy, your focus is really, really precious. So um, it means a lot to me to know that you're on my mailing list. So thank you. Oh, it's a, genuinely a pleasure for me to be there. Um, and I, yeah, I feel the same about inboxes. Like it's such an intimate space and to be invited in is like really an honour. Yeah. Um, like don't take it, don't take it lightly. So yeah, I mean, like I, I know a little bit about kind of your, who you are and like, you know, your, your process and the stuff that you do. But um, I'd love to just maybe start with like a, a, a bit of a, grounding place of like your own experience with embodiment like your own practices of like how you ended up knowing how to be in your body which is not something we're really taught very much um so yeah maybe that's a good place to jump in yeah well in 2009 I went to see a nutritional therapist because I had all these ailments and I just thought this isn't right my friend had been seeing this nutritional therapist and she looked great. When you saw her coming down the road, she was like a sunbeam. She was just honestly radiant. And I thought, I want some of that because I just felt like I was dragging myself through life. Mm. So I went to see this nutritional therapist and she's into alternative or what we would consider to be alternative therapies. She's very, very holistic. I'd say she's a bit of a witch as well. And I didn't know much about anything to do with how I feel. I was a local authority social worker. I was working with people's emotions and their feelings and their functioning. And it was very much like a puppeteer. I'm back here orchestrating a show, but I'm not actually involved. Like feelings were for those people over there. And it's funny, actually, on Facebook the other day, um, a reminder came up where the first sentence or the first few sentences I was saying, I'm not a feel your feelings type of person. That was in 2015. So yes, I went to see this nutritional therapist. And one of the first things she said to me is, she said, it it feels like you live like 75% outside your body. It feels like you're not really in your body. And I was like, what on earth, what do you mean? My brain was like, what do you mean? But I felt something in my body shift. And I was like, okay, yeah, fine. Let's have the nutritional therapy session and then the kinesiology. I'll get my herbs and my vitamins, have this new diet and I'll be, I'll go about my business. Then because she's a therapist as well, when it moved on to conversations about me and my inner world, I felt so uncomfortable, not even uncomfortable. I felt so distressed by the idea of connecting below my brain, I didn't go back and see her. Mm. And then 2015, um, I was 38 and 38 seems to be a significant number uh, uh, age for people. I just started to feel like I couldn't hold everything together the way I held things together previously. I just didn't have the stamina and the strength necessary to continue what, what I was doing. And I was feeling all these sensations inside, quite often a reaction to something that happened or something that was said or whatever, but it didn't make sense to me. And I started to, I didn't know it was anxiety, but I started to experience anxiety. Mm. And the reason I didn't know it was anxiety, despite doing the work I do, 
is because the client group I worked with, because they had so many other factors impacting them, anxiety looked very different in them in comparison to what I was experiencing. Mm. So I didn't even consider for a moment that it could be anxiety. I'll just talk about how stressed I was. And then I went to my doctor. So that was 2015. It took until the end of 2016 for me to go to my doctor because I had an incident where I was going to court, not unusual. I was an expert witness, not unusual. It was a very contentious case, not unusual. I was going on my own. So if anything kicked off, I would be on my own responsible for myself again not unusual and as I was leaving the tube station I just found like I was I was my forehead dripping with sweat and the world started to move and I I I was suited and booted heels pencil skirt blazer fancy leather bag and I was literally gripping onto the bus stop for dear life it felt like my knees had been taken away I forgot how to breathe I was like I don't know I don't know how to breathe for a second And people were looking at me because I looked like I was on a bad trip. Mm. It didn't make sense because I was suited. Like you could see I was a professional person. I think I even had my glasses on to make me look even more profesh. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is really bizarre. No, actually before that, I saw my friend have a psychotic breakdown. And I remember looking at her as she was having her psychosis. And I remember looking at her behavior thinking, oh my goodness, how you're behaving is how I feel on the inside a lot of the time. And then not long after that, I had the um, panic attack and I'd had panic attacks before, but they were milder. And even when I had that, I didn't know it was a panic attack until I was referred for psychotherapeutic services. And they said, what you're calling a heightened period. By then I kind of suspected it was anxiety. Mm. And they said, what you're calling a heightened period of anxiety, it's actually a panic attack. And I was like, oh my goodness. So then I went deep on personal development, self-help, podcasts, books, seminars, whatever. You're like, cool, let's find the solution to this problem. Do you know what? I didn't even necessarily want to find a solution. I just wanted to understand. Mm. I realized I didn't know me. I didn't know my landscape. I didn't know... Like there were even things like my friends were still into clubbing and things like that. And I was like, I haven't been into clubbing for ages. I go along because I don't know how else to enjoy myself. And that's what all of you lot are doing. Like I, I didn't even know what sparked joy at that point in my life. I didn't know what energized me and everything around me was a drain as opposed to something that was regenerative. Uh, so I was told that I was exhibiting signs that I was experiencing severe, moderate depression and anxiety. And there was a plethora of other health things going on. So I was like, right, this has given me something. So I didn't think about it in that way at the time, but I did what I would do for my clients. I would look at the resources available and see what can be woven together to create something that fitted me. Um, Because there's no point in me just taking on, like I, I know I can't just cut and paste what's for somebody else. So in that deep dive self-help exploration, I discovered positive psychology and positive psychology kind of cracked open a door that I didn't know was there. And my experience felt like, oh my goodness, I have been living in a castle all this time, but I've confined myself to one of the wings because I'm too frightened to, to explore what else there is. So in positive psychology, when like various things had a huge impact on me, but looking at things around the science of gratitude, the science of um, compassion, looking at going from learnt helplessness to learn optimism, all of those things really struck a chord. And if you are practicing gratitude, if you are exploring compassion, self-compassion, if you are looking at what has created a pattern of learnt helplessness and you're looking at what you need to unlearn so that you can relearn learned optimism, you have to feel. And uh, I did a lot of shadow work 
I came across like Deepak Chopra, you know, like he's he's the first dude you go to, like if you're into like, the like sort of entry side. entryway, yeah. <laughs> literally, literally. So uh, I've always loved Marianne Williamson. Deepak Chopra, Mal- Marianne Williamson, and Debbie Ford had a book or have a book called The Shadow Effect. Knowing what I know now, the book is a bit gaslighty in places. But it was really talking about taking responsibility for yourself and not avoiding yourself. And I was like, oh, well, I've just learned how to avoid all the parts of me that make me feel uncomfortable. Mm. And some of those parts were painful. Some of those parts were joyful. So then, yeah, so the positive psychology led to me leaving my social work, starting my company, Live360. And then when I finally surrendered and accepted, I was coaching because I didn't want to be a coach. I didn't understand it. I was like, what's that? I don't want to do that. Sounds a bit like social work. I don't want it. And then when I realized that there were other ways to coach, I thought I want to do something that connects people with how they feel. I'd like positive psychology to be involved. And this is how my life rolls. When I'm supposed to do something, it just appears. So I opened Facebook and there was an advert from the somatic school to train to be a somatic coach. Perfect. And in that first session we had, which was, you know, Corona was sniffing around. We didn't know what it was. It was March. We had our first in-person session. It was supposed to be an in-person course We weren't sure whether it was going to go ahead or not because we weren't sure about this Corona lark. Anyway, after, during the first session we had, I was consumed with rage. I was livid because just that first session, which was an introduction to what somatics is, somatic coaching and um, attuning and resonating to, you know, the felt senses and whatnot. I was like, oh my goodness, I have been brought up to be disconnected from myself. I've been brought up to believe that everything good and holy and virtuous comes from squashing down how I feel with logic. Mm. So I'm a fucking stranger to myself. I was, I was, I was so angry. I was so, so angry. It was infuriating, righteous rage. Mm. And that rage, so I'd already started a practice of beginning to be present with my felt sense of being Mm. inside my body. And so I thought, you know what, this relationship that takes place inside this beautiful boundary that is my body needs to be explored. And since then, so that was March, 2020, not that long ago, uh, March, 2020, I was 42 and three quarters. That is when I really began to take up space within my body and I was beginning to develop a relationship with my body where my inner world has become my best friend uh, before. Mm -mm. I I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to. Feelings, they're for other people. Yeah. Yeah, something to be something to be sort of fixed and put away, and then we can just yeah, be a nice tidy. Flow. Yes, yes, yeah. I love. I mean, I love hearing your story generally, and also there's something really beautiful about hearing the story that starts at 38. Like, I think you know, if you if you roll around in wellness world or like self help world or anything, it's always like, oh, I had a realization at 22, and now everything's. You know, and you're like, there is that sort of lack of people of people of all sorts but like you know people who are moving beyond their maidenhood you know their youth and like still coming back still coming back you know and that that sense of you know moving out of your I've literally just had my 39th birthday and 38 was a real big year for me as well (laughs) but there's there's that sense of like you know we spend those years you know our 20s and our 30s kind of like learning how to learning how to to do what we're meant to do really well and then there's a real freedom of like getting to crest towards 40 getting to be a woman who is aging and only growing more and more powerful and more and more herself Mm. I think I do believe that you know before I used to part of my branding was I work with women 40 plus then I'd have women who are like 35 or whatever saying oh um do you only work with people who are 40 plus your work really resonates with me 
And I was like, oh, do you know what? It's not necessarily about 40 plus. It's out of that 20s to 34 where part of the rite of passage is fawning. It is people pleasing. It is overextending yourself. Mm. I think that's something we actually need to do. I think it's part of our natural development. I think it is definitely a developmental phase. And I think that when you're in that phase, you working with me will feel like an assault. Even though it's really gentle, it will feel like violence because you want to go, go, go. You want to, you know, you want to I feel like this, but we move. You want to be one of these people that's like, not feel the fear and do it anyway, but like you want to override how you feel and what you need in order to be successful, to be seen where you want need to be seen, to be hanging with the right people and to be invited to slow down, connect with your feelings, really take ownership of your power and what you want can really feel offensive when you're not at that stage. And that's fine, you know, and I've, believe that young people now, because we are much more open, we have conversations about our feelings and our inner landscape. The word trauma is mainstream now. Mm -hmm. Um, Instagram is a playground full of bite-sized information about all this stuff. I think younger people have a better sense than my generation did you know I'm generation x Mm. we were very like we were like latchkey kids we would get on with it our parents were out working all the hours and we had to fend for ourselves in many ways so I think that they have a lot more information and access to be able to be thinking in ways that weren't available to me and my generation in our 20s however within that I do believe that we have like you know we haven't evolved since we were the first nation of humans and there are biological changes that occur there are experiences we have that are linked to the experience the amount of experience we have humaning on this earth so i think that we can know everything we think we need to know and then we enter into a new developmental stage and realize that what worked there doesn't work over here Mm -hmm. we have to tap into the experience we've gained and be open to what's emerging at that new phase yeah yeah to be able to be present with yourself as you are rather than as you were or as you think you should be exactly yeah Mm. yeah that's I mean that's for me that is the root of learning to be more embodied is like being able to be present to what is actually happening right now for me rather than what my brain would like to be going on. Listen, my brain has got a capacity that doesn't match the capacity of my body. Yeah. <laughs> and bearing in mind, my body is what I work with to take the action I need to take. I talk about it like um, building momentum. Let's actually build momentum and expand our capacity so there's more alignment between what my mind wants me to do and what I'm actually able to do so that I can actually work at a pace that honors me and my rhythms rather than falling into the trap of boom and bust cycles Mm. where I'm using high levels of sympathetic nervous system fight or flight activity to yank me out of my shut down overwhelmed dorsal state Mm. You know, if we think about the autonomic ladder, dorsal is when you feel shut down, overwhelmed, you find it very hard to take action. Sympathetic is where you are in your fight or flight state when you're in the unhealthy end. My default survival place is dorsal shutdown. I will just hide away from the world and not do anything. And then I will try to use sympathetic nervous system fight or flight activity to yank me out of that in a manner that is not sustainable. What I've learned is that by honoring my rhythms, I can use enough sympathetic activity to mobilize me out of my dorsal shutdown so that I'm able to work up the autonomic ladder Mm. into that ventral place in a manner that suits me. Because a lot of us missed, um, a lot of people don't know about the autonomic ladder, but a lot of us mistake the let's let's say ventral part of the nervous of the autonomic ladder is where we self-actualize lots of people mistake fight or flight energy for self-actualization 
it's not we can't sustain yeah. operating at that level yeah it's a push it's that sort of like like literally you know you are doing the thing to be able to like immediately react but it's not a long-term place to live no it's like constantly revving the engine and never allowing yourself to drive so you know when I learned what I need to be able to inhabit that ventral space more often the game changed and so instead of telling myself I'm slow I'm unorganized I take ages to do things I've just realized my pace is my pace and I can move a long distance if I honor my pace yeah it's something that I've worked with a lot over the last couple of years as well so like releasing that sense of force that sense of like you know pushing yourself beyond Mm -hmm. beyond you know what is felt and as uh as the truth in your body where you're like oh actually I know that I can't do this and you know part of you does know it but you're like but your brain's like but we have to so we're going to efficiency culture says you need to have done that yesterday yeah 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 and, and I want, like, I, I know that you have a practice of, like, non-linear movement. Is that one of the things that helps you kind of drop into that rhythm as I become more aware of how how your personal pattern has to work? Yeah, absolutely. Non-linear movement is a somatic movement modality developed by Michaela Boehm. And that was developed out of her love of Eastern philosophies, yoga, tantra, and also her work as a clinical psychologist in recovery. Um, So she works with a lot of people who had addiction issues. And um, what she realized is without the movement, the talking therapy was bringing into consciousness lots of things, but then it was being held by the body. And with this grounding movement practice, so unlike I've seen other modalities where you're standing upright, But for the majority of the time with nonlinear movement, you're on the ground, whether it's on your back or on all fours, so that you're grounded, so that you're in your body. Because when you're upright, you're much more likely to be trying to get into your brain logic. And also with your eyes open, you're also much more in a relationship with your logical conscious mind. Whereas when you're on the floor, being supported by the ground and able to move parts of your body you're not usually able to access in standing you're able to move stuck energy so non-linear movement is a really beautiful practice and sometimes the beauty is that it can feel quite harrowing because you're shifting whether it's trauma memory stress stuff that has become stored in the body what's his name uh, Bessel van der Kolk thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> and the body keeps the score the scores yeah. your body has been keeping will be revealed and non-linear movement practice is one of the things that alerted me to how depleted I am um, and that I needed to take care of that and that's mm-hmm. an ongoing journey and it also you know I was I've been talking about joy for years 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 before the non-linear movement method and in the non-linear movement pleasure practice I was alerted to the fact that I know joy and pleasure conceptually but because I was disconnected from my body I didn't know what it felt like to welcome and expand feelings of joy and pleasure in my body Mm. so the first time I did the pleasure practice in our training. I spent half the time in the fetal position because I was so shocked by what pleasure and joy actually felt like from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. And it felt overwhelming. So I went to my dorsal shutdown yes, place. So, okay. Yeah, it was. And uh, since then, that that has changed. My body is my favorite place. I'm forever moving, touching, breathing in commune mm-hmm. with this holy place. Um, but it really took the actual movement for me to develop a relationship where I could actually like it's like um, it's like my body is a trellis and the energy inside my body is like plants growing around the trellis and so I I just feel like I'm able to have my energy in my body 
for me, wrapping itself around, you know, my tissues, my blood yeah. vessels, my cells, my bones, the fascia. It, it's, I'm just, oh, no words. I'm just, yeah. like, I think that's the thing that I love, like, is that embodied practices you don't have to have the words like you don't it's not about whether you can think of beautiful language to put to this felt experience as much as the trellis is beautiful language but like it it's dropping beneath that like analytical cognitive part and into something that doesn't necessarily have language and like that allow like i'm i'm doing um a training in breath work currently which is very like not the same as nonlinear movement, but in that you you spend a lot of time lying down, you spend a lot of time moving energy, like it is it's very grounded, but it's also can be quite activating and that you yeah, you open things up that you may not have recognized were there. But the beauty of being able to use your body to move that energy and to explore that energy is that you, you don't have to have the words for it. You you could just let it move without ever finding the words for mm -hmm. it. And you still have the experience of whatever that was shifting and something changing. And then you are, then you are something different without, you know, with a different flow of energy moving through you. Yeah. And, and even that word, use your body. I'm like, nah, man, <laughs> that, that's, that's our toxic productivity, capitalist, yeah. you know, white supremacist, ableist, all of that jazz. That's that language. Working somatically invites you to work in partnership with your body. Mm. And my experience for myself and my clients is when you can be in partnership with your body, you are able to experience your body as the most spiritual place on this planet, like a conduit mm. for, you know, God. And I don't mean yeah. like, you know, a white man sitting in clouds, but you become a conduit for God's love and prosperity. You actually understand yourself as a conductor for whatever it is you want to be a conductor of. And for me, that is such a beautiful way to experience yourself. And when you start to experience your relationship with yourself as working in partnership, you then create a template for working in partnership period. So mm -hmm. it's like, I want to, I want my relationships to be a partnership. If I want my relationships to be a partnership, what kind of partner do I need to be for that relationship? which kind of people are a match for my level of partnership. So we stop dicking around with people pleasing and relationships that cause us to be small. Hmm. How do I work in a manner where I can be a worthy partner for my work and create work that's a worthy partner to me? It really shifts the paradigm. It really shifts the dynamic. And in terms of clients, a lot of the people I work with are very spiritual people. And what I've noticed with spiritual people, as beautiful and poetic as they sound, they are dissociated. They don't know how to be in their bodies. They don't know how to be present with what is. They, in my experience, really struggle with things they cannot very quickly, neatly create a solution for and things they can't very quickly get rid of frankly with a beautiful practice like breath work meditation yoga whatever else there is and when you know i've had somebody say you know your the body's heavy the body's a dark place it's about transcending yeah because the spiritual practices have all been about transcending the 3d yeah. into the 5d and all of this and in working with her and you know it takes time that's why my coaching offers are for a longer period of time than most because it took a good eight months for her to really begin to accept that if she is present with what is, she's not going to be a negative person spreading negativity if she makes contact with and becomes present with rage she's feeling inside, for example, or sorrow, like, you know, that, that feeling of bereftness it doesn't have to consume you. 
And in fact, one of my catchphrases is shit is fertilizer. That shit can become the most potent fertilizer if you can actually be present with it and tend to it. And now this is a person who's telling me about, oh gosh, I had a dorsal moment and I this, that and the other, because she's recognizing the communication from her body. She's recognizing her needs as a bid for connection. She, she doesn't even drink normally, but the other day she cheers me virtually with um, a bottle of champagne because she was like, Tamu, you know, you said we manifest from our nervous system and she's able to create beautiful work and price it in a manner that honors who she is, what she does, how long it's taken her to be able to get to that stage, all because she now knows what resentment feels like. When you're busy transcending, you don't know what resentment feels like. And you're just carrying resentment and secret grudges because you've people pleased people and they haven't responded in the way you wanted them to because you didn't have the skill, the practice at saying, oh, I'm feeling this discomfort. This tends to happen every time I experience this. Ah, I need a boundary here. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to recognize that requires requires actually staying with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like noticing what happens in your body when you're mm -hmm. like, oh, I stepped over that boundary and this is how I feel. And I love that you said I stepped over that boundary because quite often we make our boundaries somebody else's burden. They mm. cross my boundaries. Da, 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 da. If I've got a boundary, you can do what you want. My boundary yeah. is my boundary. Yeah. Like this is the edge. This is the edge. So I can either open a gate and pretend I haven't and let you in and say, you are my boundaries. You walked through my gate. Exactly. How dare you? Exactly. You, open, <laughs> you walked through the gate that I opened for you. Or you can be present with yourself and take radical responsibility. Brene Brown says something along the lines of boundaries are what we have when we're willing, something like when we're willing to risk disappointing others rather than disappointing ourselves, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And There's a beautiful quote as well from a somatic practitioner called Prentice Hemphill, and they say boundaries are the place from where I can love me and you at the same time. And I love that. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's not it's not a like get out, keep yeah. away. It's like this is just where we need to be so that we can both hold ourselves. In relationship. Yeah. yeah. Like I say to my clients all the time, boundaries aren't just about keeping people out. They can do that. But my boundaries are showing you how I receive love. And then you can make a decision as to whether or not you can meet me there. It's not, it's not by force, mm. but when we are able to operate in this way, we're able to create boundaries that we need to have to be the people we need to be. And we learn when we're in contact with our feelings, we then have a stronger impulse to take care of ourselves rather than promote what we think other people may need above what we need. Mm -hmm. It's not about being selfish because lots of people might think, oh, well, that sounds really selfish. It's about me having the wherewithal to say, because, and you, you don't always have to justify, I'm, I'm thinking about a particular situation. I was in a relationship with somebody and I had to let them know that because of experiences I've had in relationships before, it makes me very sensitive to X. Therefore, when this arises, for me, it's really helpful. In fact, it's essential if you take this into consideration with your approach so that we can both be in our healthy adult and can have a conversation from that healthy adult place. Mm. Being in right relationship with yourself and having a good measure of your feelings and what they mean enables you to have meaningful connections with people. It enables you to risk the vulnerability of setting out your stall so that you can welcome people that create relationships where both of you, where you and that person work in partnership and create a relationship where both of you belong and you can repel people who only can manage fractions of you. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, you know, I cannot overestimate or I cannot oversell 
the necessity. It's it's not a ideal. The necessity for us to be in relationship with ourselves and understand how we feel. And you know, you're, you're talking about wayward bodies. This body of mine needs a lot of rest mm-hmm. up until maybe three years ago my story was I am lazy mm-hmm. lazy right, lazy right. lazy lazy and that's a legacy uh yeah. label that's come from childhood all the way through and I'm not lazy I just need a lot of rest it's as yeah, simple just, as that you need what you need it doesn't when I think about it the more I rest and I don't rest as a productivity hack. I'm not biohacking. <laughs> so you can do this. Exactly. Yes. I'm not biohacking myself with rest. <laughs> but when I give myself the rest I need, number one, I'm telling myself I'm important, I'm worthy, I matter. I'm telling myself I care for myself. Number two, I'm allowing myself to regenerate. I'm allowing myself to be the best I can be for me. Because when we're tired, straight away, we're in our survival physiology. So I'm giving myself the opportunity to thrive. And because of those things, my body rewards me with energy. And I can use that energy to have big fun. And I can also use that energy to work smart. And when I'm rested, I don't get trapped in that grind, work really hard. I am able to zoom out see the bigger picture, zoom in, see the finer details and create something where I can work smart. Because believe you me, I can work hard. That was my MO for a long time. I can grind. Yeah. But it, that's, that's, but just because I'm working all the time doesn't mean I'm doing my best work. It's, I think that sense, it's that sense of channeling energy again. Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, I often think of um, this kind of comes from, all sorts of places, but um, is mentioned in like the artist's way where she talks about being like a conduit for yeah, the divine yeah. to move through you, like, you know, for creation to move through you. Like you are you are not using your brain to create the things that you want to create. There is something that is trying to move through. And when we're grinding, it can be so easy to get caught in the like, I have to do everything. I have to do all of the, like all of the things I could possibly think of. And it, and it can end up getting very brain heavy when you are rested and you know rest is a practice that that i teach as uh, a lot as well but well, yeah when you're rested there is that that capacity to yeah zoom out as you said and sort of see where that clarity of of communication is coming through and then like channel appropriately rather than just like scattershotting your energy exactly. everywhere and and with that you're not begging for worth with your output. You're mm-hmm. not begging for worth with how nice you can be to other people. You're not mm-hmm. begging for your worth by totally abandoning what you need and prioritizing other people. It means that you step into the world of yes and no, not right now, or no. It mm-hmm. means you step into the world of being able to identify what feels like a sexy, sensual, full-bodied yes. Mm-hmm. So you can focus on more full-bodied yeses. When we talk about boundaries and all of those sorts of things, whether it's our negativity bias or the way we have been um, conditioned, we automatically think boundaries are about saying no. But boundaries are also a way we can expand into yes. And when you're rested, when you are in commune with your body and you understand your felt sense and it doesn't need to make sense, you then enter the world of being in contact with your deep embodied wisdom. Mm -hmm. You're able to have a relationship with your intuition where you're not poking holes in it and questioning it all the time. You have enough faith and I want to say chutzpah, trust, (laughs) My intuition is my deepest guide. And you're able to tell the difference between intuition, which opens you up to life, 
an mm-hmm. instinct that has a tendency to close you down to mm-hmm. life because instinct is very much rooted in survival. Yeah, stay intuition. safe. Don't get eaten. Exactly. There's a saber-toothed tiger over there. No, yeah. it's not a saber-toothed tiger. It's me sh- sharing this new offer I've created. I want people <laughs> to um, invest with. It's me saying I don't want to do this work anymore. It's not a saber-toothed mm-hmm. tiger. But when you're in that rested state, you're much more inclined to be able to rationalize with yourself in a manner that's helpful, as opposed to what we normally do, which is rationalize ourselves down into something that's about surviving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I have nothing to, else to add. I just love it. <laughs> um, but I, um, I also loved uh, the, the like sexiness of your talk about rest, Let like sensuality me. and sexiness and pleasure and joy. Um, I would love to kind of wander into like your perspective on those things in the role, you know, uh, the role of all of them in women's well-being specifically or just humans well-being in general humans well-being sensual energy is creative energy sensual energy is why we're here mm-hmm. okay we are all a product of sex well the vast majority of us are a product of sex that is sensual creative energy I am sure that the Big Bang was like a big combustion of sensual energy. Interstellar orgasm. Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly. And it's important. If you think about sensual energy, it drives us. Think about all the times you have stayed with a shitty partner when you, you know, when you've known it's time to call time, but there's a really, it's not just the heart, there's a really carnal, sensual drive for you to be with that person. Mm. Imagine or think about when that sensual energy has been a force for good or it has helped you quick, really think really quickly and take action really quickly. Um, So I think about um, times when I've seen a small child and I know they're about to fall down off something and out of nowhere, that whoosh, um, mm. comes out and it, and it's because I'm I'm passionate about making sure that child is safe or whatever and it can be confused for fight or flight but it's different think about when you've done things and it makes no logical sense but it makes all the sense in the world so I believe that not not long before the um, industrial revolution when logical positivism came in where everything had to be backed by a formula everything had to be backed by a step-by-step program in order for it to make sense for it to be logical um we really lost our connection to that innate knowing and i think people who remained connected to that innate knowing were punished they were called witches yeah they were called crazy people or whatever the case may be so that sensual exactly hysteria all of that so that sensual energy it's really the stuff that makes life life that really logical linear stuff that doesn't make life life for goodness sake we share dna with bananas you know make it make sense (laughs) for women in particular so we've got our gut brain axis where a lot of the stuff we need in our brain is made in our gut, serotonin, all of that. I believe that with women in particular, we have a pleasure power axis. The more pleasured we are, the more in tune with our sensuality we are, the more powerful we are, which is Mm -hmm. another reason why people that were called witches were ostracized, vilified and killed because witches know who they are they own their shadows they own their light they don't need to listen to your convention and their rules they've got their ways it doesn't need to make sense they know what's what they can look Mm -hmm. at a herb and know whether or not it's good for you or bad for you all of that kind of stuff so i believe that as a more oppressive patriarchal system came in place women had to be controlled and a way that we can be contained controlled is to make us knackered that's why we're told women are great at multitasking so we're depleted our brain doesn't function well multitasking yes when we've got very small dependent children we have to multitask but that is finite periods of time 
we're not mm. supposed to multitask long term make us ashamed so a woman who knows what she wants and goes for it not just sexually but in terms of her career in terms of the choices we're told that's um that's shameful we're told nobody will like pushy, you because you're, she, yeah exactly you're, you're super bossy you're a bitch um nobody likes to show off all of these nobody kind of things show off. <laughs> yeah all of the, and these things are said to us from we were young mm. so all of these things are ways that chip away at our belief and understanding that we have a right to be pleasured we have a right to feel pleasure we have a right to create pleasure we're taught that that's not what we're supposed to do so we're disconnected from our sensual life force energy and when we connect with it because it's got all of the connotations with the like over sexualization of women and shaming women because apparently for us sex should be for reproduction only and men should be able to sow their wild oats and whatever other terminology is used we learn to be ashamed of ourselves we learn to be ashamed of what we feel like. So if you if you give yourself a hand massage and you move your hands really slowly and you allow your fingertips to really slowly, with a little bit of pressure, run between your fingers, like where your fingers meet your hands, those grooves there, that can feel really, really delicious, especially if you're using like a good moisturizer that has a scent you like. Mm. And I've worked with women who do that. And as soon as it feels sensual, they stop it because they're thinking, oh my goodness, like sexual. Mm. I've had, I've done workshops. I've, I've got a workshop called The Potent Power of Pleasure where women have become tearful because they realize all the ways they've denied themselves pleasure because they confused sensuality with sexuality and as far as they were concerned and I'm going to use a very old school word which is going to be you know variation but sexuality was for slags (laughs) slags yeah (laughs) trollops trollops (laughs) yeah sexuality was for loose women Mm. so they didn't think they had the right because a lot of the women I work with are people that were and still are good girls They Mm. wanted to do things the right way. They wanted to follow convention because they were told that's how you get the little bit of success you're entitled to as a woman. Yeah, that's how you cozy up to power is by by doing the right thing. Exactly, exactly. And um, also people have got a really warped sense of what power is because we live in a dynamic of power over really oppressive power that dominates, that subdues, that controls. People don't realize that there's power we can share with, power with. Mm-hmm. There's power too, where we can give people power without mm-hmm. depleting from ourselves. So people feel unsafe in their power. So they give it away. They yeah. they powerfully like show up at work. Yeah, I'll, I'll powerfully be your friend. I'll powerfully give up my stuff for you. I'll powerfully abandon myself so that I can show up and be a good friend, a good colleague, a good entrepreneur, whatever the case may be, Mm. because we feel like we don't have the capacity to hold our power. Well, number one, you're never going to feel like you've got the capacity to hold your power when you're knackered. Mm. Number two, something we both talked about earlier on, a conduit. You're not supposed to hold your power. You're a conduit. It moves through. And I think there's there's uh that when you say capacity, like like it can be nice to think of it as a as a concept, but actually like it's the nervous system capacity. Yeah. As well. It's like it's the capacity the to capacity. Yeah, to, to not flee into or you know, like tumble into flight flight or fight or dorsal vagal, like you're a shutdown. It's like you know, this that one can build capacity. One can build nervous system capacity to be with what might feel uncomfortable to start with like you know the, it, it can feel uncomfortable to stand and like be powerful mm-hmm. and you can still do it <laughs> listen and that that understanding your capacity puts you in a place where you can, deb dana talks about um uh, polyvagal theory mm. something like uh, helps you fall in love with life and take the risk of living mm, nice. living is a risk 
all this, I talk about safety all the time because emotional safety is important, but don't let safety be a hiding place. We cannot live without risk. And learning how to work with your capacity means that it's like building a muscle. You don't go straight to the gym and say, I'm going to start deadlifting 100 kgs, work your way up. It's the same way you build your capacity, you widen that window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. And it's not so it can be good vibes only. It's so that more of life can fit within that window of tolerance. So whether it's quote unquote good, quote unquote bad or indifferent, we have got the capacity to manage that without being totally dysregulated and knocked off our spot. Mm-hmm. That That is essentially what it is. It means that you are able to have, um, uh, uh, what's her name? Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things. It yeah. means you're able to do hard things and you're also able to do pleasurable things. You also don't need, you start to realize, I don't need to have done 42 hours of work, gone to the gym five times, crushed all of my workouts in order to earn pleasure. Mm. Yeah, you can just be there. You can just be there. Like I'm sitting here with you right now. And I noticed that my passion was rising. So I could literally feel myself lifting up out because I'm so passionate about this. Mm. My sympathetic nervous system, it gets like, yeah, come on, man. Let's run. Exactly. So, so I go out of like a partnership between the ventral part of my vagus nerve and sympathetic like you know like when children are playing play is a healthy combination of ventral vagal activity and sympathetic nervous system Mm. activity but someone always takes it too far then it just turns (laughs) into a shit show of fight or flight and shut down there's crying there's anger someone (laughs) bit someone so always someone biting someone yeah oh my (laughs) gosh (laughs) keep your teeth to yourself Um, but that that energy of going out 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 I know me Mm -hmm. that could put me in a situation where after this call, I I experience a come down Mm -hmm. and the other things I need to do are going to be negatively impacted. So pleasure. I remembered pleasure. I remembered I'm sitting on a seat. So I literally feel the back of my body connected to the seat that automatically brings me back into my body. As I do that, I'm feeling into the sensations of my skin. And that feels quite sensual because when you tune in to like just below the surface of your skin, you can feel all that electric energy that's Mm. taking place um, down there. So that's a way we can like pleasure isn't always an orgasm, a new bag or, or something like that. We can we can feel into pleasure in the here and now when we learn how to be in right relationship with our body and stop using our body as some kind of vehicle for our, for the brain. Mm-hmm. Stop having a transactional relationship where we're like, well, if you do this for me, I'm going to do that for you. We actually start to treat ourselves like an ecosystem within an ecosystem within an ecosystem. Yes, yes, a collection of beautiful interconnecting systems woven together that feels like uh, a glorious place to start to kind of like wrap our conversation up thank you for your time is there is oh it's such a joy is there any way you'd like to direct people I know that you are in the midst of kind of bringing something new into the world yes I I am launching a coaching program but you know I don't want to be like uh, trying to go to third base on the first date. So cool. what what I will Polite. say is come and find me on Instagram. I'm at live360, L-I-V-E-T-H-R-E-E-S-I-X-T-Y. Um, have a nosy, see if you like what you see. If you like what you see, come on in. Refer to, I used to refer to Instagram as my friendship bench. And I was like, no, it's not a friendship bench. It's a community center. So come on in. If you like what you see, come on. Have come a biscuit. Exactly. <laughs> come and see. Have, you know, a rich tea or a malted milk. That's what we've got on offer. Have a malted milk. Oh my gosh. They're so underrated. They're the uh, best. They're the best. And if you like what you see, hang around. Um, and if anything moves you, and pop me a DM. I do like to have conversations with my community um, DMs because we can just get to know each other better. Yeah. That, that's that's what I will say about how you can uh, take this further. I love that. It was so polite and consensual. I'm really here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I could, but I thought, no, 
like, I don't know you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's too much. Let's get to know, getting to know you. Let's let's <laughs> let's take it slow, babes. Amazing. Well, thank you again. It was such a pleasure to have you. And um, yeah, I everyone should go check your work out and join your newsletter because it's a delight. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Big, big thanks to Tamu for joining me for today's conversation. It was such a joy to get to chat with her. You can find all of the details of her work and where to get to know her a little better down in the show notes. If you appreciate these conversations and you want to support the show, then that would be amazing. As always, I would be super grateful. You can subscribe, you could rate and review, um, or just tell someone. Word of mouth really is magic. You can find more of my work at my website, anotherpractice.com. That includes one-to-one embodiment guidance, which is a practice of coming home to yourself using the tools of breath and rest and awareness and connection. So if that's something that you're feeling called to as we head towards the end of the year and the start of a new one, then yeah, head over to the website, have a look, book in a call, and we can talk about how we might work together. From anotherpractice.com, you can also sign up for the mailing list, which is my other favorite way to communicate. And if you're feeling like you want to chat about anything that's come up in this episode or any others of Wayward Body, then drop me an email at waywardbodies at protonmail.com. This episode is edited, as always, by the magnificent Jolly Kelly of Spreading Fire Studios with eternal thanks and praises. And that brings us to the end of this episode. And we're beginning to round on the end of the season as well. So we have a couple more episodes left and then we'll be on a break for a couple of months and back early in the new year. So until next time, big love.